0: Somebody had my name on other platforms, of course. (laughs) All right. So, yes, and I do want to let you know that we do drop a new episode here every every Wednesday and Saturday. So be sure to uh, hit that follow or subscribe button. No matter where you're listening to, we are on all podcast platforms. All right. So I hope you enjoyed today's show. And uh, again, God bless and God bless America. yes yes, another day in a row welcome to the red pill current news podcast hey everybody i am here this is a special report uh this is actually part three of uh me of our series going on right now devolution uh just uh if you haven't watched part one or part two or if you haven't listened i'm so sorry we will be coming to video soon i um, just kind of waiting for uh Anchor to get everything uh, set up. Um, Right now, I'm I'm not a fan of the current setup. But anyways, uh, when it comes to video, uh, they are the place to start a podcast, though. Um, Anyways, um, if you haven't listened (laughs) to part one or two, um, my advice is I think you're going to be lost. If you don't, uh, be sure to listen to those first, okay? Um, There's going to be quite a few parts uh actually more than what i originally thought to this series uh because i found to try to gloss things over um uh, i tried to do that on the first episode a little bit and then i i like when i first started and i was like nah i need to break this stuff down because it's not going to make any sense because uh i trust me i've had a lot of help having this broke down to me okay um and then yeah so i want to give some uh some shout outs and help help with this uh patriot group thank you so much uh patel patriot um john uh let's see uh news uh Newsweek, believe it or not uh the new york post um the uh information's coming from the federal websites as well uh and uh and i'm sure as i go on i'll be giving uh, uh you know shout outs to other places you know i just you know just want you guys to realize, I'm not that smart. <laughs> I didn't like figure this all out on my own. Uh, I did a lot of research, and there was a lot of people there to help me out with this. This is basically um, what I found out. Uh, like I mentioned in episode one, uh, for some reason I had to wait eight months to share it, um, which is fine. Uh, I still don't know why now's the time, but uh, hopefully there's a reason for that uh but any any anyways uh we're going to go ahead and get involved uh with today's episode um once again thank you for joining the red pill current news podcast uh please our, our normal schedule uh we normally drop uh we normally drop episodes every wednesday uh and saturday tomorrow which will be wednesday uh it look uh if everything goes okay as planned uh we do have a special guest uh Deanna uh, Freeman, uh, I hope I uh, pronounced that wrong, uh, she is a nurse practitioner. Uh, she currently um, is involved in traditional medicine, but she is looking into uh, functional medicine. So uh, that should be a very interesting show. Um, guys, we've got to stay healthy. There's so much going on in the medical field, in the, uh, in the union field, in the teacher's market. Uh, also, uh, this Saturday, uh, I do have uh, Tom coming on, uh, and he he is a holistic healer, scientist, and humanitarian. Uh, he'll be joining us on Saturday, this Saturday, uh, and then um, let's see. I've got I've got some people. I've got some one scheduled for the 27th, one for the 30th. Also, I'll, I'll talk more about those as I find more uh more information out uh to ensure that they're definitely going to be here but uh anyways yeah we've got a lot of guests a lot of guests uh on the show and uh that's what i like i i want to get these folks on here i think they add value to the show um and plus where i'm doing this series you guys are hearing enough of me talk right so (laughs) uh so anyways um and then also don't forget uh the other show i host against the mat wrestling podcast Uh, New episodes drop there every Monday and Friday. Uh, This Friday, I have a a gentleman, a young man, uh, joining me. Uh, He is uh, uh, Mr. Cunningham. Uh, He uh, he loves wrestling like I do, and uh, so I'm sure we will have some very good talks on that as well. So for all you wrestling fans, you know, oh, yeah. Uh, Give us, you know, try us out against the Mat wrestling podcast okay let's get started into uh, episode number three of our series devolution so as i was saying on the last episode throughout hit oh by the way i'm the kentucky guy i don't even know i tell you doing these episodes back to back i'm wore out <laughs> i'm the kentucky guy i don't know if i announced that or not but uh yes and if you do want to uh ever be on the show or have any questions and i do appreciate them and i do answer them all uh uh, you can email us at ol kentucky ol kentucky spelled out 99 the numbers is 99 at yahoo.com ol kentucky 99 at yahoo.com and we're building quite a quite a nice little community on there so that's good i like to get to know you guys and to uh you know uh just chat and uh uh i i answer questions like uh any you know i i uh, bookmark all the addresses uh because I, I like to follow up, make sure everybody's doing okay. Some people, you know, this is a really rough time for a lot of Americans, man. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of confusion, a lot of uh, stuff going on with money. Uh, a lot of people just walking out around kind of like I had one person email me and thank me for, uh, the, actually thanked me for this series because, uh, they pretty much said they were walking around kind of dazed and confused. They just couldn't figure out like why this was happening. Uh, you know, to our world, and a lot of people feel that way, and trust me, I have, the, that's one of the reasons why I do this podcast, because sometimes, if I don't get this out of my system and vent, I'm going to be one of those, uh, Debbie Downers, like, one of those guys that just walk around, and, uh, you know, uh, with their head down, and, and, and confused as well, I mean, you guys, you don't realize that this is, uh, this, this is therapy for me, to be able to talk to you guys about this and put this out there. I know we don't always agree, and that's fine. That's that's a part of life. That's what makes us Americans, right? That's what makes us Americans. We should not, we we will not, not should not, but we will not always agree, and we should question everything, and we should get out there and do research and find out what's going on. And if we see something that we don't think is right, we need to say, especially right now, we need to stand up and we need to say something. We need to make our voice heard. We need to make noise. Noise, 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 noise. The left doesn't care to make noise. Communism, socialism, whatever you want to call it, they do not care to scream to the top of their lungs because they feel the loudest one in the room wins. It's not always the case, but we need to make noise. We do. Like I've said over and over and over again, even though I'm going over this, right, there is still a huge part of devolution there's a huge part that falls on us this november and right now i mean this this war is right now and this is falling on us we've got to do something we've got to stand up you see something not right yell get people involved shoot email me i'll try to come down to wherever you're at and help you i mean we need to we need to push back to this socialist agenda this new world order they're trying. I know. I know. Sounds like conspiracy theory. It's not. It's not. I can show you proof. Do your own research. Don't take my word for it. All right, let's get into part three. Sorry, my little rant. I'm over. So throughout his presidency, this is where we left off, uh, President Trump has often spoken of our nation's founding fathers. Uh, So on September 17, 2020, uh, his remarks from the White House Conference on America History uh, really says quite a bit uh, so let's let's look at I'm not gonna go over the whole thing but let's go let's go over quite a bit of uh, or let's go over some key factors right so so just want you to remember I, I mentioned this on episode one probably episode two too, keep an open mind I don't it doesn't matter to me if you love Trump or hate him doesn't matter to me uh, what matters to me is if you love America or not okay so just keep an open mind that's all that's all I ask And do your own research. Don't take my word for anything or anyone else's. Quote Donald Trump, September 17, 2020. Our mission is to defend the legacy of America's founding, the virtue of America's heroes, and the nobility of the American character. We must clear away the twisted, web of lies in our schools and classrooms and teach our children the the magnificent truth about our country we want our sons and daughters to know that they are the citizens of the most exceptional nation in the history of the world to grow up in America is to live in a land where anything is possible where anyone can rise and where any dream can come true, all because of the immortal principles of our nation's founders inscribed nearly two and a half centuries ago. That is why we have, we have come to the National Archives, the sacred home of our national memory uh, in this great chamber we preserve our glorious inheritance, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights. On this very day, in, 18, in 1787, our founding fathers signed the Constitution of at Independence Hall in Philadelphia. It was a fulfillment of a thousand years of Western civilization. Our Constitution was was the product of centuries of tradition, wisdom, and experience. No political document has done more to advance the human condition or propel the engine of progress. We are here today to declare that we will never submit to tyranny. Some of this is very important. We will reclaim our history and our country for citizens of every race, color, region, and creed. America's founding set in motion the uh, the unstoppable chain of events that abolished slavery, secured civil rights, defeated communism and fascism, and built the most fair, equal, and prosperous nation in human history. The narratives about America being pushed by the far left and being chanted in the streets, bear a striking resemblance to the anti-American propaganda of our adversaries because both groups want to see America weakened, derailed, and totally demised. The only path to national unity is through our shared identity as Americans. That is why it is so urgent that we finally restore patriotic education to our schools. Hear, hear. From Washington to Lincoln, from Jefferson to King, America has been home to some of the most incredible people who have ever lived. With the help of everyone here today, the legacy of 1776 will never be erased. Our heroes will never be forgotten. Our youth will be taught to love America with all their heart, and all of their soul. We will save this cherished inheritance for our children, for their children, and for every generation to come. The Constitution has no method for recertifying. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, that's end quote. Sorry. <laughs> I was just going to keep on reading like you, it was his. All right. So, uh, <laughs> What I do, uh, just to give you guys a little bit of insight, is I I write up uh, on, and I I don't really write like uh, like exactly what I'm going to say, but I do like have a bunch of notes in that. And uh, yeah, they kind of ran together there. Sorry about that. (laughs) Uh, So, anyways, so the Constitution, if you read it close enough, there's no method for rectifying a stolen election once the Electoral College's uh, certifies its votes. And a new president has been inaugurated. Uh, Yet everyone seems to be hung up by the thought that we need to decertify each state as the audits come out. The audits will have their role, but I don't think it'll be decertifying the election, though. Um, But here's what I don't understand. Why haven't I seen anybody discussing, uh, discussing is what if President Trump... Recertified the stolen election before before the Electoral College certified their votes. What if President Trump wouldn't leave the fate of our nation to something he couldn't control? He he is courageous, right? And but he isn't stupid. Uh, I mean, I I know people don't like uh, some of them don't like because it, it was mean tweets but he's not stupid and 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 once he's no longer president the viable options available to him become greatly demised we've already seen governors judges and election officials obstruct the audit process Uh, there's no saying what else could go wrong right uh leaving everything to hinge on a post-election actions of others uh i think it involves way too much risk uh considering what is at stake and that's America. What well, you just heard the speech he made. Uh, and plus, Trump, he's way too calculated for any of that. Uh, I firmly believe that he initiated the devolution prior to leaving uh, office, so it only makes sense to me that he also submitted his return prior to leaving the office. See, those two things, right, uh, they go hand in hand. So sometime between December 7th when Trump issued the Executive Order uh, 13961, uh, Governance and, and uh, Tegregation of the Federal Missions re, uh, Resilience, and January 6, 2021, President Donald used his Presidential Emergency Action Document to suspend the counting of the electrical college votes. This document from the University of Michigan Journal of Law Reform has some great information on the Presidential Emergency Act documents, which is PEADS, P-E-A-D-S, is the acronym for that. Uh, it also discusses the can you, uh, continuance of government, uh, which we refer to as COG, C-O-G, and how the PEADS uh, plays a role within the COG planning. If you remember... Uh, on, in yesterday's episode, uh, you'll know why the COG planning is so important. So he, here's a good, um, so, and, so and, and I know this is a lot, right? I know this is a lot, but don't forget that the President Emergency Act, it documents, it, it gives full power to the president in case of war. And war is not always described as with guns and ammos. So let's 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 dive into this a little bit further because I want to kind of I, I don't want to lose anybody. So remember, I've been saying that the entire uh, uh, remember one thing that I've been saying over and over and over again on all these episodes: we're at war. President Trump told us that himself. He said once again, the attack the worst attack we have had worse than Pearl Harbor. This is worse than the World Trade Center. This is a powerful statement, but so important for the theory for my theory and my thinking. Both the attacks on Pearl Harbor and the Ro- World Trade Center were responded to by Congress declaring war. Right? And this, and he's claiming that this attack was worse than and they were. So Campbell versus Clinton, this is pretty interesting. Campbell vs. Clinton, two hundred three F point three D nineteen D C C R two thousand in two thousand was a case holding the members of Congress could not sue President Bill Clinton for alleged violations of war of the war powers resolution in his handling of the war in Yugoslavia. it's certainly an interesting case but what I find most intriguing was this uh, concurring opinion by the DC Circuit judge Lawrence H uh, Silberman and I'm going to just read certain a uh, certain part of this that makes that I want you guys to really understand and to take note of. Uh, in instance where war is declared against the United States by the actions of another country, the president does not initiate the war but is bound to accept the challenge without waiting for any special legislative authority. I'd importantly, I.D., importantly, the court has made clear that it would not dispute the president on measures necessary to... Uh, Reply, repel foreign aggressiveness. The president alone must determine what degree of force the crisis demands. That's important. That's important. So if our election was attacked and our presidency about to be hijacked, President Trump was bound by his oath of office to meet the crisis with whatever degree of force the crisis demanded. So why didn't he say anything prior to leaving office? I think there's all kinds of reasons. If you haven't noticed, we seem to be approaching a political boiling point. Think of all the different situations that appear to be coming out right now, even back then, but especially right now. Uh, You have results from the uh, Arizona Forensic Audit. And other audits, uh, just to name a few, you have the Durham report. And Durham, uh, he's going back to court in October. Uh, Whoo! He just—I uh, don't know if you guys know this or not. Uh, he, I think I mentioned it on an episode, but if you missed it, uh, he just—he uh, just got thirty more subpoenas. Yeah, for that court case. It's going to be hot. Of course, we still have the ongoing big tech lawsuits. Uh, we have the defector is still with us uh, that I mentioned yesterday, Dong. And the failed policies of the Biden administration, the highest inflation in years. Uh, We were energy dependent. You guys know all this. You're feeling it every day, just like I am. So you know what I know. I mean, I'm not telling you guys. That's how come I'm not talking a whole lot about the economy. You guys feel it. You know, you see it every day. You see it every day. There's no excuse for it. But this is making people wake up. And I think that... This had, people had to wake up. They are. I just, man, it took a lot longer than what I thought it was going to. All right, guys, I've got to give away real quick to our sponsor, uh, Anchor. Don't forget that if you are looking to start a podcast uh, or if you already have a podcast, be sure to check out Anchor on iOS, Android, and Anchor FM. We'll be right back. Hey, guys, have you heard about Anchor by Spotify? It's the best and easiest way I've found to start a new podcast. Everything is right there. At Anchor, I can not only record my podcast, I can add music, I can add sounds, and much more. Also, I can trim and crop my podcast as well, all in one place, right there on my iPhone or computer. On Anchor, as a host, you can distribute your podcast on platforms like Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, and many more. Everything is in one place. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. Best part of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app today, or go to anchor.fm to get started. (laughs) and welcome back to the red pill special report current news and podcast all right so yeah just like uh like i was saying if you're looking to start a podcast or already have a podcast uh anchor would be your best choice all right so let's get right back into it okay so after going over all that we can certainly see right now that trump he's clearly starting ramping up his public statements right uh we're seeing more and more he's not mincing uh, any words uh, he left office. Uh, he's let he let Biden uh, play pretend, uh, is what I call it. I've always called him the fake president uh, because we, the American people, as I mentioned, we needed to wake up and take a stand to the corruption uh, that has become the status quo. Now uh, we need to see for we needed to see for ourselves the uh, infestation that has taken place. And taking a hold of our government. Not just us in the mega Republicans, but our nation as a whole. I personally think that when the Arizona audit is revealed, I think that's going to be the start of the dam breaking. And Trump uh, will begin to announce what he did. You see, there's a brilliant article written by James M. McPherson entitled Any Measure. Which may best subdue the enemy. It covers how, during the Civil War, uh, Abraham Lincoln assumed numerous presidential powers. Now specified in the U.S. Constitution. It's kind of lengthy, so I'm not going to cover all of it. But it's very. It's but it's too powerful not to go over some of it. Okay, so uh, let, let me hit some keynotes here. Uh, and once again, you guys can find this out there. The author of this article was James M. McPearson. Uh Let's see. One of the quotes from Lincoln. Uh, I conceive that I may, I may in an emergency do things on military grounds which cannot be done constitutionally by Congress. As commander-in-chief, this is still quotes from Lincoln, As Commander-in-Chief of the Army and Navy in a time of war, I supposed I have a right to take any measure which may subdue the enemy. Powerful, man. Very, very, very powerful. And I I hope you guys can see uh, how it relates because, you know, it's important. So Lincoln, he made no, no secret of his actions. Uh, existing uh, existing exercise ex- <laughs> demanded immediate and adequate measures for the protection of the national constitution and the national union. A year later, in response to charges of uh, dictatorship, uh, Lincoln insisted that it became necessary, once again, for me to choose whether using my existing means, agencies, sorry about that, means agencies and processes which Congress had provided, I should let the government fall at once into ruins, or uh, or whether uh, availing myself of the broader powers, uh conferenced by the Constitution in cases of an insurrection I would make an effort to save it with all its blessings for the present age and for its prosperity yeah there you go that's a great leader uh, by these and other similar measures taken in that crisis of April through May 1867 some of which some of which were without any authority of law the government was saved from being overthrown a part cannot be supreme over the whole to the injury or destruction of the whole love that quote but to call out the war power of the government and so so to Resist force employed for its destruction by force for its preservation. So looking back into 1864 to the events uh, three years earlier, Lincoln asked in a letter to Albert uh, C. Hodges, yeah, Albert C. Hodges, uh, quote, "'Was it possible to lose the nation and yet preserve the Constitution?' By general law, life and limb must be protected, yet often a limb must be amputated to save a life. But a life is never wisely given to save a limb. I felt the measures, uh, otherwise unconstitutional, might become lawful by becoming uh, indispensable to the preservation of the Constitution through preservation of of the nation here here so and and i think that's important i really do and uh i mean take it for what what it's worth i think if you go read it all you'll really get a i think that's the key what relates to what i've been talking about uh i I think those are the key passages but there's more to it right and and if you think back when trump was uh when, when he was in office uh he often compared himself to lincoln right Like Abe Lincoln, Trump was left to determine what degree of force the crisis demanded. Really, imagine having that on your shoulders as the president. Imagine having every news station constantly battering you for the last four years and now you've got to make decisions that may not be popular won't be popular with the deep state media but and could cause a civil war if you don't do it the right way imagine imagine that burden man you know i've always said this and i'll still say it and i'll say it probably forever when it all comes out and you guys have heard me say this on my podcast when it all comes out and the truth all comes out about what Trump actually did while he was in office, he will go down as the greatest president of the United States of America. So Trump did acknowledge a war that was already underway. And I think he used his allotted war powers to fight back. I think Trump used the the P.E. eighty that I spoke about as a way to... A veil himself of the border of the broader powers conferred by the Constitution in cases of insurrection. Right, right there. You know they keep screaming insurrection. The insurrection actually occurred November 3rd. Just saying, uh, the comparison of Trump and Lincoln will only grow stronger. But both did what they had to for the sake of the nation that they loved. And if you can look me in the eye and tell me that Trump doesn't love America, uh, boy, you you really, you're still dead asleep. So let's talk about President Harry Truman, because he, he is a part of this as well. Not a part of what's going on, but his it, it all ties together. Uh, he created, President Harry Truman, created the National Security Council, right, the NSC. Uh, he created them in uh, 1947. Uh, Since its founding, every president has issued some form of national security uh, directives. The national security directives are usually directed only to uh, the NSC and senior executive branch officials and lay out foreign and military policies, making policy-making guidance. Bill Clinton's presidential, everybody thinks old Bill was so great, Uh, You're going to find out different. Bill Clinton's presidential directive, uh, uh, PDD-63 of May 1998, started including extensive critical infrastructure infrastructure protection, CIP. Uh, So the PDD-63 mandate, the formation of national strategy for the CIP. And I hope I'm not throwing too too many uh, acronyms at you. I I really, I don't want anybody to get lost, but CIP, right? Critical Infrastructure Protection. Uh, In the wake of September 11th, terrorist attacks, numerous changes took place regarding how we defend and operate our CIP. The Patriot Act was signed into law October 26, 2001, and gave the following definition for a critical, uh, for critical infrastructure. Uh, that following year, November twenty fifth, two thousand two, the Homeland Security Act was signed into law, creating the United States Department of Homeland Security. In uh, two thousand three, President George W. Bush signed the Homeland Security Presidential Directive seven, which replaced cleanse pdd-63 and establish the u.s. national policy for identification of the prioritization of critical infrastructure so the hspd-7 called for the national infrastructure protection act plan the 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 nip the nip uh which aims to unify critical infrastructure and key resources protection uh, efforts across the country. The NIPS go are to protect critical infrastructure and key uh, resources and ensure resilience. resiliency. Uh, it was not an actual plan to be carried out in an emergency, uh, but it is useful as a uh, mechanism for developing coordination between government and the private sector. Uh-huh. Yeah. You guys... Uh, Old oh, George took right after his daddy. You guys will see. Uh, the NIP is structured to create partnerships between government uh, coordinating councils from the public sector and sector uh, coordinating councils uh, from the private sector. So I want to, uh, so let me emphasize this, okay? The SCCS are from the private sectors. All right, so on the National Infrastructure Pro- uh, Protection Plan, uh, part of it says uh, it could uh, significantly uh, descript the functioning of government. That's big. That's big. So the NIP also discussed implementing an advisory councils. These councils would have used as a method to involve the private sector in matters of national security relating to critical infrastructure, the Advisory Council. DHS, this is a quote, this is in the Advisory Council. It's on the DHS website. You can go check it out. Uh, the DHS published a federal register notice on March 24th, 2006, announcing... The Establishment of the uh, CPACs as a Federal Advisory uh, Committee Act uh, Exempt Body Pursuant to Action 871 of the Homeland Security Act. So remember this part uh, and read it twice if you need to or, or play it back and play it back. Uh, if you go read this document, it, it's on Chapter 4 of this bill. Uh, DHS published a federal register notice on March 24th, 2006, announcing the establishment of a uh, uh, CIPAC as a Federal Advisory Committee Act, FACA, exempt body pursuant to Section 87 of the Homeland Security Act. Okay? This... <laughs> The information of this critical infrastructure partnership advisory committee, right, as uh, a FACA exempt is crucial. And I'm going to get to that here in just a moment. But one more thing regarding the membership of the CIPAC, the CIPAC, uh, members of their respective sectors recognize sector coordinating councils. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So they're, uh, you know, they're private sectors as well. So again, let me you know. Let me just. I don't know how many times I can say this. The membership of the CIPAC is is consisted of the critical infrastructure key uh, resource owners and operators that are members of their respective sectors recognized SCC. What is that? So what is this? I mean, here's a question. I know you're thinking right now. What is any of this garbage? This stuff he's talking about have to do with the 2020 election right right i mean i can read your brain ain't that scary <laughs> no uh so let me uh let me uh let me tell you why on january 6th of 2017 the secretary of homeland security Jad johnson who was appointed by the previous president obama uh, released a statement designating election infrastructure as a critical infrastructure subsector within the existing critical infrastructure sector titled government facilities. This allowed election infrastructure security to fall under the umbrella of the department of the DHS, right? Uh huh. Of home security. On November 16, 2018, President Trump signed into law the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Act, uh, Agency Act of 2018, which established the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, according to their own website, uh, the Cybersecurity and and Infrastructure uh, Security Agency is the nation's risk advisor working with partners to defend Against today's threats and collaborating to build more secure and resilient infrastructure for the future. The CISA website lists all 16 of the official infrastructure sectors, but I want to focus on the government facilities sector because this is where you can find the election infrastructure uh, subsector. <laughs> Yeah, this is going to shock a few of you. So, the election infrastructure subsector landing page, right? Uh, when you look at it, it basically uh, it just, it talks about the members of the government and yeah, it didn't work uh, in the charters, okay? But that's not really what I'm I'm looking for. Or that I want to explain okay but just to kind of tell you where I'm where we're at right now the 2020 charter election infrastructure uh, subsector government coordinating uh, council charter on the uh, February 9th of uh, 2020 uh, that we spoke about keep in mind that that sector coordinating uh, councils are from private sectors and our members of this critical infrastructure partnership advisory council the CIPAC election infrastructure uh sector coordinating council chart uh there's the updates were uh version 1.2 approved on February 15, 2018 updated on February 1st 2019 updated on February 9th 2020 the official uh Uh, designation, the charter has been developed as a dynamic uh, document intended to clarify and inform the organizational structures, functions, and operating uh, procedures for the organization to be known as the Election Infrastructure uh, Subsector Subsector Coordinating Council. Now, why are you reading that? Because it's important. Because you're going to be shocked here in just a moment. All right. So, so basically the objects and scope of activity, right, uh, for this is to uh, serve as a primary liaison between the election uh, subsector and the federal state and local agencies, including the Department of Homeland Security uh, concerning private elections, uh, subsector security and emergencies. So here, here, here's what they were formed to do, and here's their powers. Right, private sectors and federal, federal agencies. Okay, facilitate sharing of information and intelligence about physical and cyber threats, vulnerabilities, incidents, and potential protective measures. Um, represent uh, the election uh, and discussion with other infrastructure sections as well as. Uh, With the EIS and the GOC on matters of threat security, risk analysis, emergency, preparedness response, and other related matters, right? Identify and communicate priorities, obstacles or implements, or effective official infrastructure security and resilience protection programs and develop, uh, recommend to appropriate authorities actions to uh, mitigate them. Okay, so... So basically, the EISCC is not designed to create the items of any uh, solicitation or contract vehicle, any and any appear of its use or actual use to this uh, to this end could bar an entity involved therein from competition in the contract. So basically, what this means is, is this council is made up of members, like I said, from private sectors that advise and assist our government with the physical security, cyber security, and emergency preparedness of the nation's election infrastructure. They do this through voluntary actions of the infrastructure owners and operators represented in the council. This means that the members of the council are the actual election infrastructure owners and operators and they handle the physical security along with cybersecurity through their own voluntary actions right? So they coordinate uh, with the uh, Department of Homeland Security to develop, recommend and review uh, sector-wide plans, procedures and effective practices and support of infrastructure, protection, Including training, education, and implementation. Uh, they also make recommendations to the appropriate authorities to mitigate implementations to effective critical infrastructure, infrastructure, infrastructure security. Sorry. Uh, so section five uh, of the of the charter is critical. Focus on the first paragraph that I'm about to read to you. The EIS. CC operates under the Critical Infrastructure Partnership Advisory Council framework established by the Secretary of Homeland Security, uh, pursuant to Section 871 of the Homeland Security Act of twenty of two thousand and two. Yeah. So where are you going with this, Kentucky guy? What, 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 this is a lot of stuff? I mean, we get it. There's a council. What, what, what's up? Okay. So, let, first, before I get into this, let me explain to you what section 80, 871, right, of the Homeland Security Act of, of 2002. Uh, let me break this down. So, the EISCC, which we know now, right, that operates under the CIPAC framework is exempt from public law 92-463. And that law establishes a system governing the creation and operation of advisory committees. So just to make this clear, the Department uh, of home, home Security has submitted a notice, has submitted a notice in the Federal Registry, and you can look this up, do your own research, in 2006, it's renewed every two years that the CIPAC is exempt from oversight over its creation and operation of an advisory committees. The EISCC is operating under the framework of the CIPAC. Therefore, the EISCC is exempt from oversight over its creation and operation. So in 202, Title 18, right, I know you guys have heard that before, uh, any independent agency of the United States or the District of Columbia who is retained and designated or appointed or employed to perform with or without compensation for not to excel 130 days during any period uh, 360 days consecutively keep that in mind that's important uh also it says in there shall be classified as a special government employee so because the eiscc operates under the framework of the SIPPAC, right and is exempt from public law they are classified as a special government employees right Now, if we switch back to Section 871 and and, and we read uh, members of the advisory committee that is exempt by the secretary under the proceeding sentence, who are special government employees as the term is defined in Section 202 of Title 18 United States Code. Huh? Yeah. And then that reads as certifies in writing that the need for the individual services outweighs the potential for a conflict of interest created by the financial interest involved. So because the, okay, so let's talk in layman's terms here for a moment. So because the EISCC, they operate under that framework, right? The same framework that was set up as the CIPAC and now they're exempt from public law and exempt from oversight so they don't have anybody over watching what they do uh they're classified as special government employees and they've been certified that their services outweighs the potential for a conflict of interests created by financial uh interest involved basically it means that uh It means our government knows that there's a potential for a conflict of interest created by financial interest involved for the members of this group, the EISCC, because the official responsibility for the employees appointed has to certify it. They know there's a conflict of interest for members, right? But they allow it to operate without any oversight. So why? Why did I go through all this, right? Why did I, why, what am I doing, right? What, what am I talking about, right? Well, I think it's important that, uh, that I said all this because I want you to hear the EISCC organizing members, the private sectors. Just going to read a couple of them that you may have heard of before. The Associated Press, AP Elections, the B Pro Incorporation, the Clear Ballot Group, the Cross Check, Democracy Live, Democracy Work Group. Uh, <laughs> hold on your hats. These are people that are part of organizing and they're part of this council, right? The Dominion Voting Systems Group, the Elect Election Services Group, Everyone Counts Group, the Smartmatic Voting Systems Group, the Votech Vote Group. So the and the VR systems and there's a few more. But you guys see see where I'm at here. You understand? Dominion Voting Systems. And this, uh, Smartmatic, uh, were the Smartmatic were, uh, Systems, <laughs> they were the two members of this council, which advises and assists our government with the election security by coordinating with the Department of Homeland Security to develop recommended review uh, sector-wide plans, procedures, and effective practices in support of infrastructure protection including training, education, and implementation. They were also making recommendations to appropriate authorities to migrate uh, impediments to effectively critical infrastructure security. Holy cow. Dominion, right? Dominion, are the voting machines, they were the biggest, those two, I mean, and our government knew... That there was no conf- they they knew there was a conflict of enter- in, uh, interest, especially with those two companies and the other ones, and they let them go on this council with no oversight. I mean, the reason why Dominion and Smartmatic are my focus because they have been in the spotlight of the 2020 election fraud scam from the beginning. If you haven't yet, uh, read an article from the uh, uh, Epoch Times uh, showing a history of foreign ties behind voting machines used in the U.S. Um, the revelation uh, sheds a new light on the statement from the CISA, uh, which was released on November 12, 2020. Uh, Domino Voting Systems and Smartmatic, the very companies accused of committing fraud in this election, were a part of the election infrastructure, joint statement claiming that the November third. Now think. Now remember. I know you've heard this several times, and this is where it come from. All right, they are a part of making this statement over and over that the November third election was the most secure um, election in American history. I know you guys have heard that. On November 30th, 2020, the Department of Homeland Security renewed the charter again for two more years. And with the renew came the straw that has really broke the elections frauds back. So if you go back to the main election infrastructure uh, subsector charters and memberships landing page, and you click on the link for 2021 version of the charter, which was released in February, you'll notice something that's very different, very different. They changed the name from Election Infrastructure uh, Subsector to Election Infrastructure Subsector Government Coordinating Council. It now reads that the ES GCC membership is composed of government agencies and organizations representing government officials that own, operate, or administrate uh, subsector, or cyber, uh, cyber asset systems and process or have responsibility for supporting security and resilience for those uh, assets, systems, and processes. Huh? What? So no mention of the Dominic or Smartmatic, no mention of any private sector companies at all like it did in 2020. Um. Yeah, can you say cover-up? A- and let me ask this, why in the world is Congress not asking questions about this? Everything about the 2020 election points to fraudulent activity. The Arizona state has subpoenaed the routers from the uh, the Maricopa uh, County Board of Supervisors, but uh, the, uh, the board has not been cooperating. Why? Why haven't they turned over the routers? What's going on? The Arizona forensic auditors, need to see Internet uh, traffic on those routers to see if anything, uh, you know, out of the way took place uh, to finalize their audits. I I mean, there's also an article that's claiming a Swiss bank majority, uh, the majority of the Swiss bank is owned by the communist China, paid uh, Dominion uh, parent company $400 million dollars. Finally, this is this reporting from uh, Catherine. Uh, what is her name? I want to give her the credit. Uh, Catherine Heritage uh, stating DNI uh, John Ratcliffe. Huh. You ever hear that name before? John Ratcliffe confirmed uh, there was a foreign interference in November's election. Director of National Intelligence John Ratcliffe confirmed that there was foreign interference in the 2020 election according to cbs correspondence katherine heritage well d D dni ratcliffe leads the 17 intelligence agencies and has access to the most highly classified information that is held by the u.s government and he told cbs news that there was a foreign interference by china iran and russia in november 2020s uh this year and he is anticipating a public report on those findings in January. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Or did it? Or did it? Just maybe it hasn't been released to the public yet. Folks, there's so much stuff that happens uh, behind the scenes. you know. So look, I, I know that this is starting to become a lengthy ev- episode, but I want to break this down for you because I don't want you to walk away confused or, or, or wondering, right? Because I know we have listeners from all over the place. Some of you guys understand this better than I do. Uh, but I know there's some, like me, that it takes a minute, right? So let's break it down just a little bit. So the uh, the Dominion Voting Systems, they were part of the United States Government uh, Sanction Advisory Council, right? And they were responsible for the election infrastructure security. The Department of Homeland Security knew they had a conflict of interest, yet they let them operate without oversight. Right? That's clear as day. Multiple reports of financial ties between the CCP and the Dominion group are on record. We know that. As the Epcot Times stated, Dominion's voting technology is currently used in 28 U.S. states And Puerto Rico according to the firm's official website more than 40 percent of American voters cast their ballots through the Dominion system in general elections including 65 of Michigan's 83 counties all 159 counties in Georgia and 2.2 million voters in Maricopa Arizona largest county among others these are all facts and we know this right so here's, here's the logical conclusion. China was able to bypass security measures that the Dominion voting system was responsible for implementing, because they are part of that council, in order to access Dominion voting system's own machines, resulting in a fraudulent outcome of this election, which is clearly, without a shadow of a doubt, an act of war. And our own Department of Homeland Security sanctioned it and then covered it up. You can see the the website completely is different. They even changed the name. So our only saving grace as a country in all of this is the Space Force. Our military could access those uh, Maricopa County routers without subpoena. They have all the information they need, and they have likely had it since November 3rd when they were monitoring it live. Trump didn't leave the security of our election up to the CISA and the CISA alone. The military, I promise, was watching. So if devolution is not real, the only way to rectify this election will be through state decertifying their elector uh, electorals something that has never been done and something that I don't think would even work anyways the Biden administration completely disregarded the will of the American people by colluding with China to steal our election they will obviously do anything they have to do in order to stay in power they will not cooperate with the decertification process And will not give up their grasp on power even if every single state in America decertifies it. I truly believe this. Devolution has to be real because there's no other way we will ever rid ourselves of a corruption in our government and a puppet in the White House, a Chinese puppet, and Barack Obama's third term all right folks i am going to leave it there uh right now uh for this episode uh i but there I, and I know that's a lot of information and there's a lot to think about um but i just want you once again just you know if you got to listen to some parts over again go ahead and do that keep an open mind and some of you and i know some of you have already seen it because i got your emails but in your statements but uh It is a puzzle, and right there is a huge, I don't know how you say it. I I, I don't usually put puzzle, like actual board puzzles together. Uh, Is the middle part, the biggest part of the puzzle, is right there, what we went over today. Just think about it. Just think about it. All right, so you've been listening to the special report, uh, the third one in the Devolution series. I'm your host, The Kentucky Guy. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Red Pill Current News Podcast. Don't forget, we do have uh, nurse practitioner Dina Freeman. will be on tomorrow's show. Hey, you guys have a wonderful rest of your day, and thank you so much for listening. And as always, God bless and God bless America. Thank you.